Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And, well, I, I have a lot of other things I want to say, and I'll say them later. But I'm, I'm just beside myself today because I have a guest on the program who is, I think she's, I think she's trying to take over. Tell me your story. She has a new book out. And we're going to find out what it's all about. And you know I'm kidding because I'm excited about the fact that if anybody wants to use Tell Me Your Stories, share it, whatever you want to do, go for it. That's what it's all about. The title of the book is Your Story Matters. Own your story and <clears throat> tell it with clarity, confidence, and impact. Linda Olson's my guest here on the program. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, normally I start out with a bunch of other preliminaries, which my listeners have heard over and over and over again, but I'll share that later on in the program. But I wanted to jump right in here because um, it's one of those issues, I think, that a lot of people struggle with. It's one thing when we are talking about new paradigms for a new world, uh, giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true, talking about those new ways of living, also talking about 2020, the year of perfect vision, which is what we are promoting this year getting people to go within. A lot of people have lived pretty extraordinary lives. And yet, from their perspective, well, I'll put it in my vernacular. If my life were a reality TV show, I wouldn't watch it. Not mm. because it isn't interesting to me. My life is very interesting to me. But because I don't want to sit around watching somebody else live their life. I want to be about living my life, uh, which is, to me, the downside of some of these reality shows, uh, you know, that they that they do. Uh, but a lot of people don't think that their life and the stories that make up their life are really all that. Uh, come on, I'm just an ordinary guy just to do an ordinary thing. Not a big deal. So what if I did this and I had that and I went there and I'm da, 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 and, and the list goes on. It's not a big deal. Now, is that a lack of self-confidence, self-esteem, or is that humility? Well, that's that's a very good question. Um, and I really believe it comes down to our value. Just like we don't think, I mean, our stories are who we are, and uh, many people don't think that that their story matters. They don't think others would want to hear it, and I really believe that if we dug deeper, we would find that it's a lack of value, that they just really don't appreciate the lessons they've learned in their life, the lessons through their stories, and and that that it would matter to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, it seems as though our society and in particular, our social media sort of kind of wants to say that. Oh, no, your story is important. Come on, put it up on Facebook. Put it up on this social media platform and so on and so forth. Uh, post all these pictures because everybody wants to see what you had for lunch and where you are now and so on. And, so, and I, I'm just sitting here going, 
I'm sorry, but I don't care. <laughs> and it's not that the person's story isn't important. What's the difference between those two things? Well, see what happens on social media is we all want to look great. And so we, we tend to post things that are pretty superficial. Well, the superficial things are not what's going to connect us with other people. Because story, the biggest part of story is conflict or pain. That's how we connect. We live in a broken world. I mean, you can't watch a television show or a movie without lots of conflict in it. Because it's through the conflict that the movie producer, the author, the storyteller connects us. It's through pain, through problems. And we don't want to just listen to their pain. But what we want to know is how did their pain make them a better person today? And that's what we're missing on social media. Because like I said, we tend to keep things pretty superficial and we look great, but it's not reality. Hmm. Now, this may sound like a strange question. Your title of your book is Your Story Matters. What is story? What's the definition? Well, you know, sometimes, I mean, it's like we all know about story. Story is nothing new. It's been around for years, many years. But um, very simply, Webster Dictionary defines it as... It's an experience that we share with one another. So those can be those can be fun, inspirational stories, or they can be, you know, heart-wrenching stories. Was James Redfield correct in his book Celestine Prophecy that we have messages for each other and that it is important to share those? And in this context of your story matters. Uh, do you feel that that is really kind of the bottom line? And why? I do believe it is a bottom line. We all have a message and a message that needs to be shared with one another because our story is our message and that's really our life. And it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to be talking all the time. I mean, people watch our life and they know things about us just by watching us. But it's important because we are placed on this earth for a purpose. And our purpose is to help, to bring healing, to serve, to love, to give. And we do that through our story. That's our message. I'll give you a little example. Last Saturday, my husband and I were just running a couple errands and uh, a homeless man came up to the car window. We were about to leave and he said um, he, he wanted, <clears throat> he wanted some change. And my husband said, asked him what it was about. And he said, well, I, 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 I'm hungry. And he said, are you okay if I buy you a meal? And he said, sure. So he took him to a nearby uh, restaurant and he let him choose whatever he wanted, paid for his meal. We came back to the car. We were backing out. My husband was backing out the car 
and somebody stopped behind us and he, I mean, we couldn't even back out and he rolled down his window and he says, are you the man that bought that homeless man a meal? And he said, yes, I am. Well, this man was so touched by the fact that my husband would do that. And I thought, we don't know when people are watching. It's part of his story. Mm -hmm. He is a giver. And here was an opportunity to serve. And people do that all the time. It is part of their story. And it does matter. What does it mean to own it? I mean, I can tell you stories that may curl your hair, <laughs> curl your toes, <laughs> make you laugh, make you cry. Uh, but I'm just curious. I mean, I, I can tell you all these stories, but how is it that I own the story? What does that mean? I, I like that question because you're absolutely right. We can tell a lot of stories and we can, you know, we can pretty much say what we want to say. But there's always those difficult things that come up within. And we need to pay attention to what we react to as opposed to respond to. Because those are probably signs that there's part of our story that we haven't owned. And very often it's painful things from the past that we haven't processed, we haven't walked through, maybe for many reasons. Maybe we haven't had the maturity to be able to do that. And so our way of coping is just to push this stuff down. Um, and so now it's like it's kind of coming up in different ways. And owning our story really means embracing every part of our life, every part. And that's not an easy thing to do. Regret seems to me to be counter to that, because what you are, in essence, saying by saying, I regret this event, that event, the other event. You wish it hadn't happened. You wish you could go back and change it. And it would be the equivalent of finding a loose thread in a quilt or uh, let's just say something that was knitted because it'll come apart a lot easier. And you say, I want to get rid of the, the green yarn in this particular quilt. And you start pulling that green yarn and the whole thing falls apart. And that means that if you start regretting, especially and most specifically, the dark sides of your life you, you are basically saying that you don't like who you are now is that is that a fair assessment because without those dark sides you and i right here right now in this conversation we probably wouldn't be here right here right now in this conversation because we wouldn't be the people that we are today absolutely and uh I I think that is interesting to take a look at that. It may not be that you don't, um, well, you accept part of who you are mm -hmm. and you maybe own part of that, but there's still parts that you're not owning. And if we can go back and look at those regrets and say, you know what, I, if I were to do it again, I may have done it differently. 
But if I can stop and take a look at and say, wait a minute, what did I learn from this situation? Are there things that I need to forgive, whether it's forgiving others or forgiving myself, so that I can fully embrace and move on in life without those regrets? Because those regrets is what will keep us stuck in the past. And if we're stuck in the past, we will never have the freedom to move on with our story Mm. or to empower our future. And we weren't meant to stay stuck. You know, fear is what will keep us stuck. Faith is... Phone conversation that... I needed to do something to improve my speaking ability. Now, I didn't speak poorly then. She was offering suggestions. And she said, why don't you consider going to Toastmasters? Which is what I did. I loved it. And and I've actually tried to find... I know there, there are many of them here in Santa Barbara. They're all over the place. I still have the magazines that I collected for the year or so that I was in Toastmasters. And it was great fun. I mean, I really, really had a blast. Uh, but I, I thank her for helping me. But this radio program in particular for almost 13 years has also helped me because I've received some emails that I may get another one here on this <laughs> because I'm kind of going on a little bit about the aspect of um, being more concise with my story. In other words, getting to the point. You talk about telling your, owning your story and telling it with clarity. That would fall under that category, wouldn't, wouldn't it, of, of being concise with your story. I mean, there are some stories like War and Peace <laughs> that are long, right? Right. <laughs> but there but, you know, in this day and age, you have to do almost what they call that elevator pitch. Right. So let's exactly. ta- let's talk about telling our story with with clarity. OK. You know, the biggest thing, and it's because our attention spans are so short these days, everyone is so busy and overloaded and they're, you know, we're going so many miles an hour. So we don't have the time and the attention to listen to somebody who is sharing a story and it may be really a deep story. And what happens is that, especially if we are a natural storyteller, the tendency is to go on and on and on And rather than, in that case, rather than using story to attract people, we actually start driving them away. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, it's because we're sharing all this detail. Detail may be very important to you and I if we're telling our story. Mm -hmm. But to the audience, they just want us to get to the point. They want that clarity. And my husband still, even though I'm a trained and and done uh, storyteller and shared stories many years, 
that there are still times where I'm just chatting within a group and my husband will poke me and say, get to the point. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, what's the ending of this? Just get there quickly. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so that's a big part of it because we don't know how to tell our story. Um, I had a high-end coach that I worked with for several years and she said, no story should be longer than two at the most three minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was when she took my, helped me with my big story, which is actually a 45-year journey, and helped me condense it into two minutes. I knew I'd found the power of story. And that's what most of us miss out. Mm. Because when we're going on and on, it's really more about, I want you to hear me. And we're, we're almost desperately trying to grab their attention. If we tell it with the clarity and power that it's worth, they will hear us. And we don't, you know, it's like we don't have to beg them to hear us. They will hear us. Yes. Once upon a time, they lived happily ever after. <laughs> How about that for a short story? <laughs> I remember in Here's school. The conflict. <laughs> well, yeah, I realize there's a there's a problem there, uh, <laughs> and and without that, certainly um, it, it's not much of a story to to uh, to read or learn from. Um, I've always loved. Uh, <laughs> I got my Aesop's fables from cartoons. Okay, uh, <laughs> when I would be watching Rocky and Bullwinkle, Rocky the Flying Squirrel, and uh, Bullwinkle the Moose. Uh, they used to throw in uh, fractured fairy tales and Aesop's fables, which really had more of an adult twist to them. But they were great. I mean, I really enjoyed them. And of course, there was always there was most of the time there was a moral at the end of the story. There's a message as if you if sure. you will. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and yet at the same time, I, I, I've shared this with people before on this program. I've watched some television programs and some movies, and I always use the the movie Batman versus Superman, where for I don't know if I guess it's about a two hour movie, something like that, whatever it is. Anyway, they they have this conflict at the beginning. They have a fight. Uh, they're chasing each other around the globe throughout, and it's the la spoiler alert. The last fifteen minutes, they resolve their issues. Because they start talking to each other. And I, 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 and, and I, I understand about the whole dynamics of conflict. I get that. But it's like, are you kidding me? You've destroyed half the planet. Who knows how many people you have hurt through the collateral damage of the two of you going at each other. And if you had just stopped and talked about what happened at the beginning, none of this would have happened. Of course, then there would have been a very short movie, too. Uh, and, and no conflict, but in our daily lives, it just seems as though, my gosh, if we could just stop, just slow down because as you say, that's fine to have conflict in television movies and, and, and fictional books, and that kind of stuff. And I, I do understand about <clears throat> my story and certainly my stories. There is a certain element of conflict in that regard. But I, I don't know. I don't know about you, uh, Linda. I'm, I, I, I've kind of had enough. 
<laughs> you know, it's like I would really like for people to just I mean, with this with this, for example, with this coronavirus, I was thinking, OK, this will come and go. It's been described as blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this is number of people have gotten sick. And then sadly, this number of people have died and so forth. And then I started hearing the news stories about people um, stockpiling the groceries, going to the grocery store and stockpiling on things out of fear. All right. Now, all of this makes a great story, but it's like, has humanity really moved very far from the cave? Um, it just, it, it, I guess it's, I, I'm looking at the next step in our evolution. We go beyond this self, self-ishness to selflessness. And it's not to say that you don't take care of yourself. The first rule of survival is take care of number one. Because if you don't, you can't take care of two, three, and four. Talk to us about my juxtaposition. We'll put it that way. It's mine. I'll own it. <laughs> In regards to wanting to do away with the, 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 this, this whole aspect of it, is that even possible to do in regards to, again, I, going back to, again, um, sharing my story? I, I, would my story, the hall would be empty if, if I was to share a story without conflict? Well, I will respond to that by saying uh, my husband and I were relaxing one Sunday afternoon, just wanted to put on a relaxing movie. And it turned out that this movie was actually filmed way back in 1969. And it was a teenager going for a hike. And within the first 15 minutes, there was no conflict. And I looked at my husband and I said, do you want to keep watching this? And he said, no. I said, me neither. We were both bored. And this was a teenager Mm -hmm. (laughs) with no conflict. And so, you know, the thing is, when we often think of conflict and think of pain and think of problems, it's negative, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be negative. It's through conflict that we learn, through conflict that our character grows, through conflict that we can help one another. And so if we learn to embrace it in that respect and know that it doesn't have to be bad, conflict can actually be very good because, again, it's not what happened. It's what I learned from about what happened Mm. and how I will live life differently or how I will do things differently, and which is all part of embracing and owning our story. Because just like you talked about the coronavirus, people are so quickly, and this is just an example, but so quickly reacting out of fear. And you're absolutely right. We don't stop long enough to process the pain, to to feel the pain. Instead, we're really running from one thing to another. And once we start running, man, it just goes faster and faster because not only did we have the pain that we had originally, but now it's piled up with so many other things. I heard a psychologist say, he said, the problem with life today, and this was actually a number of years ago, he said, we don't have time to grieve. We don't have time to mourn because that's that's the process of letting go of whatever that loss is. 
Mm. And and so because we haven't grieved that loss, now the pain is just compiled and we're trying to run faster and run harder and pretty soon it catches up with us either through health issues or uh, relationship issues, deeper relationship issues or something. And it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it's not what we were cr- created to do to run from fear. No, and, and that's what's real interesting because <clears> – <throat> It's one thing to run from fear. It's another thing to have certain events pop up in your life that, you know, you're responsible for. And uh, this probably applies more to guys than gals. Okay, not to be sexist here, but I mean, guys are typically the fixers. You know, we're, we're what is your problem, Linda? Let me help fix it. And you're not wanting to fix it. You're just wanting to share you know, whatever's going on. So I have things that come up and I've got to take care of them. And there are times when there is a certain amount of, well, I'll say excitement about the prospect of, Oh, okay. All right. Now I'm going to get in there and I, and I'm going to feel so good when this is over because I will have resolved this thing. This will be so cool. And it's not, you know, let's say it's just a financial issue. All right. Um, and it's not really that kind of an adversarial kind of conflict, granted. Uh, we have, for example, here in California, uh, our electric company is constantly turning our power off for what they call maintenance. Well, I've been here for 14 years, and this has been going on for the last four. Never happened the first 10 years we were here. And now all of a sudden they're doing maintenance work, and their power goes off, and then they turn it back on, and they turn. they let us know usually. And then sometimes they will, at the last minute, they'll cancel the power outage. And sometimes they'll cancel it and do it anyway. And I am so frustrated over that. It's like, okay, I got to fix this. This is, this has to stop. I mean, how long does it really, I'd like to know, how long does it really take to put a new pole in place? I know they need to do maintenance. I get that. I'm not trying to be hard-nosed about it. And I realize that the infrastructure, just like computers, We've had to upgrade our peripherals in our computer boxes and monitors and and software and so forth. I, I get that. Um, <clears throat> so here I am trying to, you know, <laughs> maybe for more than anything else, resolve it in my own mind. Um, th- th- those kinds of stories, if you will, are not as impactful as those personal stories of adversity and to triumph, right? Uh, or, or is that a, I mean, is that a, my going up against the electric company and using the corporation commission to do it? Is that a compelling story to you? I mean, is that really, does that really interest you as opposed to not just telling me, okay, that's a good question. It's, uh, so you just telling me about your frustration with the electric company is, um, you're just sharing your conflict but if you take that and now tell me that I finally came to a place that I had a choice, I could continue in my frustration, which would only build, and eventually I'd probably become resentful or angry about it, or I could say, you know what, I mean, I can write letters, I can make a call, and there are a few things that I can do, but basically it comes down to their choice in terms of how they're going to handle this. Mm -hmm. So I could either let my frustration get away from me 
or I can choose to be content when I don't have control over the situation. And so if you take that story and then move it to, um, to the resolution, to the solution, it can become a valuable story, just like any of the stories in our life. Right. I have to say that uh, I had a fabulous time uh, in one of my high school classes, uh, Southwest Literature where we were given the opportunity to write short stories in addition to reading uh, some, some stories as well. I mean, some of my favorites, of course, were Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Uh, God, I just, and then of course I get, I go to Disneyland and oh my gosh, they've got uh, the Island and they got the paddle wheel, the, 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 the steam paddle wheel, whatever it is. I can't remember now. Uh, and steamboat, I just yeah. steamboat. Yeah. And I, I loved that. The, the, atmosphere wasn't real thrilled about the social structure that wasn't a good thing for a lot of people but that story was so cool i mean it was so neat to run around on that island and find the uh, tree house and this and that and the other those were those were those were uh, great stories and i wrote some some uh, interesting stories as well um which is it for you easiest to write it or to speak the story and maybe it, I, I and I'll I'll even back that up even further what's your process in terms of developing a story that you want to be impactful to people well um good question you know, the process of story is actually pretty simple. And I'll walk you through there are three main pieces of story. And that is, we talked a little bit earlier about number one is every great story has to have conflict. So that's number one. And then behind every conflict is a resolution. Mm. And after every resolution is another conflict and then a resolution. That's what I call our story pathway. Mm -hmm. So if every story, a simple two-minute story, will have a conflict, a resolution, and then you just add that introduction. It's like that initial statement that either creates the setting or walks us into the conflict. And 50% of our story needs should be conflict. So in other words, you'll have several statements about conflict, one probably building up, building up. And then there's that, you know, that transformation and takes us to a resolution. So if you were to just have a simple story framework, it might look like this introduction, conflict, 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 resolution. And if you can put a simple story together like that, um, whether you're writing it or whether you're telling it, uh, it, it's like it just gives us that basic framework of story. And maybe it's easier to share. Um, it'll make more sense when um, uh, let me just share uh, a little story of my speaking journey. Mm. Uh, when I was five years of age, um, I thought I was going to be a baker because I love making mud pies. 
<laughs> and then when I was 10 years of age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Of course, I had no idea what the word meant, but basically I wanted to earn some money. Well, growing up on the farm, there was a lot of hard work, but very little opportunity to earn money. So that was a conflict for me. Then when I took my um, first year in college, we were required to do a communication class. As part of that communication class, we had to share a three-minute talk. And I was absolutely terrified to do that and tried everything I could to get out of the class, but that didn't work either. Then uh, my first year after college, I worked for a nonprofit organization and had to raise my own support. Well, the best way to do that is getting up in front of people to let them know what you're doing and how you're going to contribute to this organization. And that meant my bread and butter on the table. And I was still terrified to get up in front of people. But amazingly enough, I earned more than my regular support every month. And it kind of became the joke of the office that I was supporting the rest of the office. <laughs> Today, I'm a story expert and speaker trainer. So here in a few minutes, I've taken that introduction, conflict, 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 resolution. And it really can be that simple. And when you start doing it, putting it in that framework, you think, okay, I can do that. Of course you can. Whether you're writing your story or telling your story. Yes. Interesting. And I am excited about the fact that if we can learn how to do it effectively, uh, so much the better. I will tell you about a not-so-short story. I won't tell you the not-so-short story, but I'll tell you about one that I read. I bought the book many years ago. It's a rel relatively thick book. No, it wasn't War and Peace. Uh, and I was so intrigued by it as I was trying to read it, um, but I, at that time I had difficulty just reading it. Finally, audible, an audible version came along, and I was able to read it through. And I probably read certain sections over and over again just to kind of hammer home what, what I was getting or to, you know, refresh my memory and so forth. And I got to the end of the book and, I, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I loved that story. Oh, that was such a great story. But God, did I hate the ending? Oh, you can't end it that way. No. And of course, it was the story was Stranger in a Strange Land, which speaks to us today in our 21st century about how we perceive people from other parts of the world, not just the universe. And, um, but I just, I was so excited every time I had the chance to click on the button and start listening. Um, not only because the narrator was great with the different voices, but also just the story itself. I remember also reading a book that gave me nothing but consternation physically trying to read it because it was a paperback and it was a thick one. And when I was reading it way back when, I had to wear, use a magnifying glass. So, you know and I both know how difficult it is just to hold a paperback, especially thick ones. Try holding it with one hand, and then in the other hand with a magnifying glass, trying to balance all that, and then read the words at the same time. And it was called The Prometheus Project, which, strangely enough, I cannot find anywhere anymore. But it was astounding to me because I was up until two and three and four in the morning, no matter how difficult it was to read that story just gripped me science mm. fiction, uh, the Dune trilogies. Again, those aren't real short stories, 
but the 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 intricacies I, I think that's something else, too. Now, again, you can't re- get real intricate in two minutes. OK, but am I fair to say that if you can make your story so compelling and so impactful that you could go for an extended period of time? And again, this is speaking the story. Uh, that you could do that if if you are able to make that compelling because just like you use the description of the movie that you were watching and you went in 15 and my wife and I do that all the time we'll sit there and we'll watch this movie for 10 15 minutes and do you still want to watch this nah I'm not really interested because nothing's happening um and 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 that's one of the reasons why (laughs) I wouldn't watch my life story per se uh, except the real exciting parts. <laughs> but what about that? Uh, can you extend it? Should you even consider extending it? How would you know that it's impactful? Would I come to you, someone like you, Linda, Linda Olson, uh, to work out the, that aspect of it in order to um, be able to expand my story and put more detail into it as long as I was able to hold the listeners? Absolutely. And that is one of the things that I do. You know, story, even though that, like I, I talked about the two minute or no longer than three minute story, um, a good example, and I will tell you, last year I had the opportunity to be on my first TEDx stage. And at this particular um, TEDx event, the uh, our talk was could only be between 10 and 12 minutes. Well, whereas many of them are 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. So 10 to 12 minutes to really give your life message is not a long time. No. So many times, you know, we pull them in with story. Well, I realized as I was going through my, as I was practicing and so forth, and I thought, you know what? My 11, 11 and a half minutes, whatever it was, my, it was like, I really had five or six short stories. And that's what you can do when your story is longer. You know, you have an initial story Mm. and then you grab them and then you pull them deeper into another story and another story. And it was very interesting because, um, the host came up to me after and he said, you know, yours was really, um, the best talk we had today. And I thought, really? And then I had several other people come and tell me too. Mm-hmm. And I realized as I stepped back and thought about that for a while, I thought it was because my whole talk was about story. It was really five or six really short stories. But in the story, I pulled them in emotionally. They stayed with me. And, uh, you know, we just we just had a good time, but it was really all done through story. So you can do it in two minutes. You could do it in an hour or longer. Mm-hmm. I do a two-day retreat now, all based on story. <laughs> and in many respects, it's you know, it's all pulling them in with story. And obviously, those stories that you told in that 11, 12 minutes had some continuity to them. They weren't just disjointed. That's, right. And right. that's it's that theme, that theme that follows. It's kind of like our life. Our life is our story. 
and whether we realize it or not, there's really a theme or a thread that goes throughout our life. Many of us are too close to our story to identify it. But once you get a hold of that theme and thread and realize what is it, you know, even if you just focused on the stories that really were highlights in your life, what is it about that story and what difference did it make um, in, in inspiring or encouraging or empowering others? And once you learn that, it's like getting a hold of the purpose of your life and what you want to go with. Wow, I never realized that was actually a strength. I thought I just did that for fun. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But that's really how it should be. It shouldn't be a lot of hard work. It actually should be fun. And yes. that's it's one of the things that I, I, I've had some guests on this program. There have only been a few, but a few of them have been very nervous you know, well, I'm, I, you know, and I, I have to tell you, it is such it's a great honor for me to be their first interviewer. Mm. And I want them to have a good experience so that when they go to the next one and the next one, and the next one. And then I've had I've even had people who have been doing interviews for years. And uh, a lot of them will say to me, boy, you know, you you were really on and you were focused and I'm not trying to blow myself up here, uh, not egotistically or, or what have you, but you know, they will basically say that a lot of these people who are interviewing, they're not, they're just going down the list of questions and then the interview's over. I did that once my very first interview. Uh, it was a, a, the author of a book called farmland or wasteland. Oh no, farmland, wasteland. And I remember learning some interviewing techniques to where uh, you could go to the table of contents and maybe you can turn those titles into questions. So that's what I did because I didn't have time to read this thick old book. And I had 14 questions and the interview was 30 minutes. I asked the 14th question in the 28th minute. We wrapped up the interview. The guest leaves and I'm still sitting, sitting in the studio and looking at my, uh, my list of questions going, saying to myself, you asked the 14th question in the 28th minute. What if this had been an hour? Mm. Then I went to the Larry King School of Broadcasting, where he does mm. not prepare. He, at that time, on the Mutual uh, Broadcasting Network, he took phone calls from listeners. And the reason he didn't prepare, he said, was because he wanted to be as fresh as the listeners were with his mm. guest. And so... That's the style that I have incorporated. Now, do I sometimes um, uh, use questions from the guests? Sometimes I do. And sometimes I'll get questions saying, could you send me a list of questions? And I will say, no, I cannot. <laughs> because the universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. So I have no idea what we're where we're going with this. Well, Richard, if I can just interrupt for a minute, that is part of your story. That's your strength. You love doing it. It's very obvious. And it's so much easier listening to a conversation as opposed to going through a list of questions. You know, you can have talking points. And I sent you some questions. And um, I see you're looking at a few and others. <laughs> you aren't. Mm -hmm. And that's OK. And I was totally OK with that. Yeah. But I also know I want to respect your time, know how busy you are. And when you get the book the day before, you don't have time to read through the whole thing. But the fact, if you can just pick up the essence 
of what this is about and then go with that. Um, you know, as you're comfortable, of course, it's a lot easier for your audience to be comfortable as well as the person you're interviewing. So I just want to congratulate you with what you're doing because you do it well. Well, thank you very much. I want to get into the five C's, but I want to touch on something else that I thought was real interesting. We were watching this movie uh, about the Queen of Sweden, circa 1500s. Uh, and, and that was also around the same time as the French philosopher, Lord, am I going to remember this man's name? Uh, it wasn't Chardin. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, Descartes. And this, when she was born and she was raised, she was actually dressed up as a boy so that the, the kingdom would know they had an heir rather than a woman and so on and so forth. So mm. she was highly, she was educated and she was made to be curious and to question until she became queen. And then they were, the men around her were telling her, dumb it down. Stop asking these stupid questions. Stop asking these ridiculous, that's heresy and on and on and on. And I have a feeling that that kind of happens sometimes, and especially, unfortunately, to women in our society. Not so much men, because men are expected to be educated. Well, I don't want to be around stupid women. I don't want to be around, I shouldn't say stupid, ignorant. Ignorant, uneducated. There's a big difference there. Hmm. And um, because I, I consider my wife to be very educated. But she doesn't have a college degree. But she mm -hmm. is very intelligent. She's curious. She's intuitive. She's empathetic. She's, she is an mm -hmm. empath. Um, and so we have some incredible conversations from time to time that get me to thinking. And I don't have all the answers. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this show, because we like to have people on this program who have all the answers, like you, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break this to you. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Linda Olson. She's the author of Your Story Matters. And we want you to learn from her how to own your story and tell it with clarity, um, with um, confidence. There you go. Confidence and impact. <laughs> But you have <laughs> stumbled through that. You have five C's in regards to uh, us learning how to tell our story uh, and and own it and so forth. So let's can we go through those so that people can can better understand, I think, the dynamics that they will be dealing with if, in fact, they do find themselves in a place, in a position where they are going to be sharing. I mean, we're doing it all the time. Uh, and that's another thing, too, by the way. There are no scripts. None. We're always ad-libbing. And you wonder sometimes where those scripts come. Who's writing that? You know, it's to me, it's amazing sometimes what other folks come up with and that we will repeat down through the ages, certain phrases and uh, sayings and wisdom and so forth. Uh, let's talk about the five C's that you have come up with here. Okay. Let's start with the first. 
and that would be clarity. Again, in this 2020, the year of perfect vision, let's talk about clarity. Okay, that's a good one. And I love that. 2020, the year of perfect vision, because it's really once we have the clarity in our story, it's um, we can then use that story to connect, to impact and even transform lives. So the clarity is really, um, really being able to know exactly uh it's like the key point or point points of our story. Let me back up a little bit. Sure. And since we talk about story vaguely, there are what I uh, look at as kind of three categories of stories. We have our everyday stories, things that um, just happen in our everyday life. And they can be often fun, inspirational stories. Obviously, conflict comes up every day. We can... Um, and, and sometimes, you know, it's an ongoing story. So those are everyday stories, are what I refer to as our turning point stories. Those are the stories that particularly have conflict and look at what have we learned? What was the turning point in our life? What happened? And the best thing we can do is take them to that transformational moment. We remember moments. Mm. And more than anything else. And then, of course, is our signature story. That's uh, our big story that has, you know, basically been that theme throughout our life. So once we have clarity in terms of what that main story is, and once we can, you know, nail it down and say, okay. I don't have to look at my whole life. What if I look at one incident in my life that was a transformational moment? You know, what was it that turned things around for me and just break story down? It's so much easier than rather trying to kind of do this big thing of, you know, figuring it all out. We will get much more clarity if we can make it simple. That's the key. And all keep it simple. And all of this, of course, is covered in uh, now your your two day seminar, if you will, (laughs) uh, where people can learn these 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 aspects, the structure, if you will, and the dynamics of telling a compelling and impactful story uh, that holds attention. That uh, have you ever (laughs) have you ever told a story that had no message at the end that had no moral? (laughs) Is there such a a story? (laughs) You know what? Uh, You were referring earlier to the book that you had gotten so into, and then it was frustrating because when you came to the end, there wasn't that message. Movies and books sometimes will be set up that way because they want you to come up with the ending. Mm. And when they've so grabbed our interest and attention, you know, we're, we're looking for that transformational ending or that happy ending. Yeah. And instead, they want, like I said, they want you to finish the story. And then you have to look internally to finish that story. We want them to come up with the answer. And they're saying, no, we're going to let you come up with the answer. 
I'm sorry. My response to that is, look, pal, you made the movie. You made the millions. You put the ending in there. <laughs> the second C because here. I make the same thing whether you come up with the ending or not. <laughs> that, uh, that's exactly right. Creation. Uh, creation is uh, the second C. And basically, that is how to create your story with simplicity, as you said, in clarity. Be, keep it simple. And uh, and ease to using simple frame, uh, a simple framework. Let's talk about uh, creation. Okay, and that's really what we were referring to earlier when I talked about that simple framework mm -hmm. of of introduction, conflict resolution. Okay, and, and multiple if conflict look, if, if need be. Yeah. Yes, if we keep it to that, twenty five percent introduction, fifty percent conflict. 25% resolution. And it doesn't have to be exactly that, but that can be a basic guideline. Mm. That's that simple framework in creating stories. Yes, particularly stories you're telling. If you're a writer, there's much more opportunity to bring in a whole lot more detail, creating the setting and so forth. Yeah. But specifically, if you're a if you're a speaker and telling your story. Well, I yes. will say that Stranger in a Strange Land, the Dune trilogies and, and many others that I maybe have not read, but might be aware of. The thing that intrigues me so about the author, the storyteller, is their ability to incorporate so many of the intricacies of life, not just the social structure the governmental structure, political, if you will, uh, maybe even the spiritual structure, uh, all of those elements has, th th that is one of the things that is so compelling to me is their ability to do that. Um, the, the one word, now I will tell you that there was something that I did get a message, so to speak, from Stranger in a Strange Land, not just, ah, you can't end it that way. And that was, and it's a word that I share with everybody because it's so important. And as far as I'm able to determine from reading the book, the definition for me from reading the book, the word to grok is to assimilate into every cell, every subatomic particle of your being, that which you believe or know. Uh, it's not just, yeah, I understand. I got it. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> it's almost a wow, an aha, even an epiphany of, wow, I get it. It's like unbelievable. And that's why we also are pressing here in 2020 for people to go within. I mean, I'm getting that even as I as I share that, I get more of what that is really meaning to me. And how important it is that I've got to do that, too. I'm just not having you and the audience go within to find your life's purpose, to find the peace, to find that 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 center that does matter. Uh, Paul said, uh, uh, you know, don't fear the one who can kill the body, but the one who can destroy the soul. Well, I personally believe we're the only ones that can destroy our own soul, be that as it may. Um it, because what's important is that essence that makes us who we are. So why not get to know the real us and, and share that as well. The third C. See, what I hear before you go into sure. that, uh, just a quick comment. What I hear you talking about is the difference of living in your head 
as opposed to your heart. Yes. And any great writer will use all the senses. They will draw you in with all the different senses. So you will feel, you will taste, you will smell, and you're right there with them. Same thing with the movie producer, whoever it is. Whereas if you just go with the head, and I hear great, I actually hear great speakers. They know it's important to tell their story, but they still tell their story from their head versus their heart. Mm. You can still do that. Story is the greatest way to pull people in emotionally, but you can still stay stuck in your head <laughs> and it becomes a very factual thing. And um, people will walk away. They may have learned some information. Big deal. Who needs more information when you can you know, Google it and get almost anything you want. <laughs> and so what's different about what you share? Well, the one thing that sets us apart is our story, because there's no one in this whole world that has a story just like ours. One of the other aspects of that that you've just stated is uh, that no one has a story just like ours. That is true. That is what makes us so unique. And yet we all share in the same emotions we all absolutely we all fear we all grieve yeah that's what connects us that's it yeah absolutely owning one's story knowing the value thereof is the third c of confidence well when you can be sure that uh you know you know the key point of your story you know the theme of your story you know exactly uh the message that you want to get across to others once you have clarity and uh and truly own that you will then have the confidence and when you have the confidence you will much be much more likely to share it more often and know that you can share it in two minutes, in 15 minutes, in 30 minutes, whatever it is, whatever opportunity you're given. But you can use that story, even if you're sharing a 30-minute presentation, you may still be sharing your story, actual story part in two minutes just to draw your audience in. And then use that to connect it to whatever you're teaching. Yes. And uh, then you also have as the fourth C of connection, which, of course, we've been talking about. We've really been talking about all of these throughout the program. Um, Is it a question of realizing the connection or making the connection? You know, um, it's it's probably both, but I would say more of a focus on making the connection. Because the big thing is, for example, let's just say you and I met at at a some a chamber meeting, and um, we didn't know each other. And of course, the typical thing that we say is, "And what do you do?" And typically, how we respond is, uh, if I asked you that, you would probably tell me your position, tell me your name, tell me your position maybe something about yourself, and then turn around and ask me, well, what about you? What do you do? Mm -hmm. And I would tend to do the same. The thing is, if we're connecting through pain, problems, and conflict, I don't know anything about your conflict. I'm just so busy talking about me, but I haven't found out more about you. So how will 
I know if I even have the opportunity to serve you or help you if I don't even know what your challenge or your conflict is? Mm. So instead, the key is, of course, listening, but it can also be asking questions. Here's here's a, a, a great little key to turn that around. So even if you turn around and you come back and you ask me and say, well, what about you? I may respond with, you know what, I would... I'd like to tell you that, but before I do, I'd love to hear more about you. Tell me, you, you told me that um, you're a, a radio host. What's the greatest challenge in being a radio host? And now I'm moving you into something deeper, another level, and mm. I hear all about that. What I'm doing is I'm by asking a few questions, I'm drawing out your story, just like you do every day as you interview people. You're drawing out their story. And then at the end, when they come back and say, okay, enough about me. I, I want to hear about you. And I, now I've heard your story. I know where I can help you. You know when you said it's so hard to get interviewers who are just relaxed and fun and just can know their stuff so well, they can just speak and respond to anything I want to help you do that. I would love to share with you on your show and see what I can do to help enhance your show. You know, and it's like now we have a deeper connection. Yeah. One of yeah, the, does that make sense? It does indeed. One of the fun things I love to do uh, with uh, new uh, uh, new interviewees, if you will, that they've just begun the process and they're nervous. Uh, I'll say, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, let me just check with you on this. Um, I have a list of questions having to do, do with nuclear physics. Are those questions that I can ask you? And they'll usually kind of go, what? Uh, well, no. Huh? I said, well, then good. I won't ask you questions about nuclear physics. I will only ask you about <laughs> what you know. For example, Linda, uh, Linda, I will only ask you, for in this case, about your book and the subsequent topics surrounding your story matters. Own your story and tell it with clarity, confidence, and impact. I will, I'll, I'll stay away from that other stuff. Um, you know, and I, you know, I may throw in a different subject. You know, uh, the quantum physics or what have you. <laughs> and it really does tend to lighten the lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, they realize, oh, whew, ah, good. He's not going to ask me anything really hard. <laughs> Just pass the test. <laughs> yeah. Although when we do get to the end of the interview, you'll find out that I actually do have uh, three final questions that I do ask my guests. And usually the response is, um, you save the hard ones for last. Well, you may not find them hard, but some people do. They're going, Really? And I say, yes, really, um, this is. And then, of course, we have the final C, which is courage. Now. How. How much of courage. Is related to and I want to tie it into here we are in the the teens of the 21st century. And in particular, our country, the United States is so divided and yes predominantly it is politically divided is is there a certain level of courage that one must have in sharing their story in this kind of or in that kind of regardless of what the divides are 
uh, in that kind of division or divided society, uh, do we have to change the wording sometimes or do we just take the courage? We have to have the courage to just put it out there and deal with the consequences. How, how do we how do we go about that? I know there's more to it, but please elaborate. Okay, a big part of it is uh, certainly it takes it takes a lot of courage. Anytime we are sharing the um, our story from real depth, and um, the main thing is we want to know our audience. We want to know their needs because sharing our story is not about me. This is where we get confused many times. Sharing our story is about helping to meet their needs. And so as long as I know their needs, I'm not here, I'm not talking about I'm here to please them, but I'm here to let them know that if they're just going through a real painful time in their life, can't get a job, can't, you know, whatever it is, I can come back with my story and say, you know, there was a time in my life where everything fell apart and, and and then it's like all of a sudden we're connecting. You know, I had no idea what to do. I I couldn't find anybody to help me because those resources weren't available at that time. And I honestly had no idea. In fact, I just I didn't even want to get out of bed because it meant facing the fear. It meant facing um, the shame, the guilt, all of those kind of things just like they're facing those things, the fear, the shame, the guilt, when they can't find a job and they know those bills are still coming in. Mm. So so to me, the key in terms of the courage piece is about being willing to be vulnerable. That's the key. And that's what's so hard because we, we're always taking a risk when we're vulnerable. We don't know how people will react and many of them may come back and say, oh, yeah, well, that's fine for you. But you haven't walked in my shoes. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I haven't. And I know that uh, many, many, many people are going through extremely painful times. But I do know that somehow there, there are people to help. There are support systems but we can't just stay stuck in our victim place. We have to have the courage to step out and be willing to step beyond, you know, that whole idea of just getting out of bed. It'd be so much easier to just stay there and let life go on, but it doesn't work that way. And there are some people that do. Yeah. They do. They stay They stay in bed. And they find it very difficult to even contemplate sharing their story because they just, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck and we're here to help, hopefully help people to get unstuck through whatever means I want to say for through whatever means necessary to get them unstuck. Um, It just, it's to me, uh, I've shared this with folks before about where uh, Jesus was talking, uh, was, was amongst his disciples and he was performing all of these miracles and they were in awe and, um, and they're going, you know, wow, this is, and again, I paraphrase, it's ain't King Jimmy here. Uh, wow, that's pretty cool what you're doing there. That is neat. Can you, can you teach us how to do that too? He's, 
Are you kidding me? Seriously? This? Sure, I'll, I'll teach you this, but you know what? You are going to do greater works than this. And I personally believe the greater work is the transformation of one's life. Mm-hmm. Getting unstuck, if that's what that means. That's what that means. And that's why you are here to help us, Linda. Linda Olson, author of Your Story Matters. Uh, you have a website where people can go to get more information. Certainly the book is available, I'm sure, on Amazon as well as all of the other uh, other outlets uh, and so forth. Maybe even, if you have one, maybe even a bookstore in your area. Um where would we want to send folks so that they can continue uh, with you, maybe even connecting with you and finding out where, where your next seminar is going to be and, and attending so that they can maybe not necessarily learn how to tell their story, but learn how to get in touch with that story and start to own it. And then maybe they can start telling it. Mm, that's a that's a good point. Thank you. Yes, the best place would be my website, which is called wealththroughstories.com. And I have a number of things on the website. I do have a story retreat um, coming up soon, March 13th and 14th. And uh, that's a that's one of the most fun things because to me, story is very experiential and we just do a lot of fun, interactive exercises with a small group. I keep it pretty intimate group. That's one thing. The other thing is on my website is a video blog and every week I do a short video. I mean, a lot of times it's three to five minutes long, but it's learning about story in bite-sized pieces mm-hmm. and I loved what you said, Richard, about just learning to get in touch with our story. I share a lot of really short stories in those videos and uh, with hopefully a a significant point to each of them. And that can help you. It just kind of triggers sometimes those things. And of course, there's no cost to that. You can also go to my YouTube channel, uh, Linda Wealth Through Stories, and um, or Uh, I do have my TEDx talk on YouTube and it's called Your Story is Gold or Mm. you can just put in my name, Mm -hmm. Linda A. Olson. So uh, those are those are great um, places to start. Yes. To just learn about story. When you you mentioned that this sort of started maybe when you were five, (laughs) I mean, the initial (laughs) the initial uh, push. But when did it dawn on you, um, if it wasn't at the age of five, uh, somewhere down the line, when did it dawn on you, not only that story was important and you were going to pursue this, but that your story was important and you needed to share it? Hmm. Well, let me let me tell you very briefly a little bit about my story and I'll tell you how I got there. At 14 years of age, through a tractor accident, my precious two-year-old brother was killed. I was the one driving the tractor. And you can be sure that was a very, very 
difficult time, not only for that season. I mean, I didn't want to get out of bed for, you know, I did because I had to, but um, it, it was just a very, very difficult time. And I grew up in a very small community, so there weren't support groups. There weren't, there wasn't counseling available. There was, there was really nobody to talk to. And, but somehow I found the courage within to just keep going. It's like taking that first step out of bed and putting one foot in front of the other. And it's like with anything else, you just have to keep going. Well, even though I consider myself having lived a very fulfilled life and have many great opportunities, there would still be those times where some I would see something, somebody would say something, and it would just pierce my heart, and I would almost buckle to my knees in pain. Until years later, many years later, as I got help professionally and continued to work through my story, but it wasn't until 45 years later that I got complete closure to my story. And all of a sudden, this whole idea of story just dawned on me. I mean, if somebody had asked me a few years prior to that, you know, what's your story? I probably would have said, you know, I don't think I have one. (laughs) And it's because I was still caught up in too much pain in my story that I didn't even realize. Hmm. So the whole idea of story came to light. And, And then I thought, you know what, if story is so important, why aren't we all sharing our stories every day? And I realized after doing some research that there are three major reasons. One is most people don't think they have a story. If they do, they don't think others want to hear it. And thirdly, if they could come up with something, they have no idea how to tell it. And I knew at that point that was my new calling, to help people find, create, and tell their stories. Mm. And so it was then that I, I knew, uh, I began, I recognized how important and how powerful story is. Story is our life. It's everything we do to help us connect, to impact, and like I said, transform lives. And I like what you said about transformation, because story can help you do that better than anything else. But like anything else, it's a skill that we learn. And, um, and so my mission, my mission today, as I, I felt my new calling about five years ago, um, I, I truly felt like God gave me a new mission and my mission is to impact a million people a year through story. Well, I guarantee you that with the internet alone, you're going to do that. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm having a lot of fun with that challenge. Believe me. Well, and that's, <laughs> I did start that way, though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the real key right there is having fun with it. Um, and that's one of the things I think that we've got to remember. Uh, your story is your story. Uh, it shouldn't be arduous. It's not necessarily going to be easy, uh, but uh, it should be something that uh, you are definitely drawn to to share. And quite honestly, I put it kind of this way, and again, uh, a la uh, uh, James Redfield, that If we do not share the messages that we have with one another, then we are doing a disservice to ourselves and to others. And each Mm. one of us is trying to put together this huge puzzle of our life, the big picture. 
and without the other, we can't do that. And if a matter of fact, and I will share with you this interesting experience that I just had on my way in. Stopped off at the Starbucks to get my uh, usual drink. Heading back, got in the truck. Have I rolled the windows down? It was a nice, cool day. Loved it. And I'm getting ready to drive out, and there's this gentleman. He's in front of me as I'm backing out. Uh, he's walking across the parking lot wearing a, uh, I think it was like a black sweater, white shirt, older gentleman. And he looked at me and he says, I like your hat and I like you. Now, I'd never met the man before. I don't know who he is. But there was something in that phrase. I said, that's pretty cool. I, I really, and, and I said to him as I'm driving away, and I feel the same way about you. Of course, he wasn't wearing a hat, but. Then the impression came to me, I need to give him one of my cards. Because on one side it says 2020 year of perfect vision, and of course the other side is my information. And it was more the first side that I wanted to share with him. But apparently I thought of it too late. I circled the parking lot several times to try to find him, and I was not able to. But I just said, okay, universe, thank you. You gave me a chance. I missed that one. I won't miss the next one. To that, I want to throw in this. I want to ask you to talk about this real quickly before we have to wrap things up. I want you to talk to us about our story and our intuition in terms of, shall we say, maybe the elements of our story that we, we should share and other parts that maybe would be better, the better part of discretion not to. Should we censor ourselves in that regard? And where does our intuition come in that regard to telling story, telling our story? Good question. I like that question. Um, that's a big part of, you know, obviously, if we're talking about a two-minute story, we really uh. have to look at you know, every word that we're sharing. And to me, the the best way to discern that is, is what I'm sharing right now, is that going to make a difference to the people I'm talking to? If adding this detail, if um, adding, you know, sometimes in our pain, we can get pretty graphic in it, especially as women. I mean, is that really important? Is that going to make a difference for my audience? Or can I just share it like this? I have many women come to me and say, well, you know, I mean, they were severely abused and goes on and on. And I said, you know what? Your audience doesn't need to hear that. All they need to know is that you went through an extremely painful, and you can use the word abusive, uh, season in your life. But they're more interested in knowing how did you rise above that? How mm. How is it that you're the person today that can even talk about it? Don't let them, if you give all those details and all that graphic stuff, chances are they'll get stuck in their story. And you don't want to do that. You maybe just want to mention that and then tell them how do we move on? This is and give them tools, give them something that they can hang on to when they leave. So mm. um, that to me is the biggest part, you know, listen to our heart, bounce it off people that we're close to and say, you know, do you think I should share that? I mean, if you're really wondering 
whether you should share that. Probably you shouldn't. <laughs> mm, and that's if a good, it's not going to help somebody else. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good uh, a, a good uh, point. Uh, if you are even questioning it, probably a good idea to stay away from it or to rephrase it. Although I will say this, uh, years ago, uh, if 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 someone were to be following me uh, through my interviewing over the last forty years, they probably could write my unauthorized uh, um, biography because I share I have shared a lot about my life. And the reason mm-hmm. is because my belief is that if the creator is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, God, uh, the creator already knows everything about me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what difference does it make if nearly 8 billion other people know, and most of them, I would say 99.9% of them don't care. They're too busy living their lives. And that's kind of my perspective for me. Again, I'm not putting that on anybody else. I, I, I really make that clear when I make those kinds of statements. That is for me. Uh, and I just, that's kind of the way I look at it is God already knows. So what if you know, so big deal, I have high blood pressure. So what? I lost my vision in my left eye through uh, glaucoma. Hmm. So very good point. Yeah. You know, a big part of it is, um, I help people find the power in their story and it's really about going to look at, uh, not necessarily the darkest moment, but the moment where I grew and learned the most from. Yeah. yeah. And if they can go there, and maybe sometimes it is a very dark moment, and they're not ready to talk about it, then look at the one that they are ready to talk about, and yeah. let's start there. There you go. Yes. Linda Olson, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program, sharing your story as well as your story matters. Own your story and tell it with clarity, confidence and impact. And two things. Number one, before we let you go, should you ever find yourself here in Santa Barbara, we'd love to have you in studio to continue this conversation about story. And thank you. And number two, we do have three final questions, as I mentioned earlier for you. Uh, you may have addressed them through uh, the program, but I like to ask them directly just the same. But I do want to remind our listeners, we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are streaming live at those times for the radio broadcast, and the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a bunch of other places that folks are linking us to, which is really cool. Thank you. And if you'd like to support the work we are doing, we have a PayPal and Patreon account. We'll take any amount, and we'll even take energetic support as well. Uh, we greatly appreciate those who have helped and those who will support what we are doing here on the program. And Linda Olson, uh, first of three questions is to you, who is Linda A. Olson? Very good question. I'm... I'm someone who loves people and loves to inspire people through story. I'm a giver. I'm an encourager and somebody who empowers others. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I hope to encourage and empower people to find 
and create and tell their story. Because once they understand their story, they can empower and give to others. And together, we can impact millions. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life purpose is basically what my mission is to impact millions of people with story. That is my purpose. And I know it's not something I came up with. It's truly my calling. And that is I will do anything I can to fulfill that calling, to help others and fulfill that calling. And you can help her to do that by going to wealththroughstories.com and pick up a copy of her book, Your Story Matters. It does matter. Your Story Matters. Own your story and tell it with clarity, confidence, and impact. And Linda Olson, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next podcast broadcast, love to lol.